Hello and welcome to the podcast today. Basically, it's that time of year when everyone should have done their exams and I thought I'd save this episode till after you've done your exams, which may be counterintuitive, but there's a reason for that. So today I'll be discussing introducing why we forget everything in exams and I'm sure many of you can relate to this. It's that feeling of completely revising everything over and over and over again, only to find when you sit in that exam paper, you are shaking, you're sweating, you're stressed, and you open the paper and your whole mind goes blank. I cannot tell you over the past 13 years how many times this has happened to my students. And today we'll be looking at science as a way to explain and understand and hopefully help those of you that have this issue. So I think many of us can relate to this issue of forgetting. And I suppose the first thing to think about is what actually is memory? And why is it that in stressful situations, our memory gets blocked? It can be really frustrating, can't it, when you've been revising and studying for years sometimes, uh, but for most of you, it would just be for a year. And then you can't remember anything. And I know some people don't really revise very much. And so that's not really aimed at at that kind of group. But if you do revise a lot and you feel like you're working hard throughout the year and then your exams don't really match up, this might help why to explain why. So we're going to look at two psychology professors. There's a guy called Dr. Peter Graff, and he's the director of the Memory and Cognition Lab. And Dr. Daniela Palumbo, who is principal investigator of the Memory and Imagination Lab. And both of them have backgrounds in cognitive science with a particular focus on memory. So according to Dr. Graff, memory is the capacity to think, reflect, and reason. And it's all brought about through evolution. It's an application that allows us to benefit from the experiences that we have and prevents us from doing what is harmful to us. To us. And there are three steps involved in memory. The first is to encode, which is taking in information. So in a class situation, this could just be the first time you learn a new topic, could be you watching a revision video, that's encoding. The next one is storage, so maintaining that memory over a period of time. And then the third one is often the problematic one, and that is retrieving that memory, uh, recalling it at a later date. Both of the professors explained that the brain rewires itself whenever a new long-term memory gets made. And this is all to do with how the brain is created and the synapses involved. They say that neurons that fire together wire together. So in other words, if you think about and learn something, it actually triggers certain parts of your brain. When certain neurons get activated together, they connect with one another to form stronger networks, which is why I always, when I'm introducing a new topic, and it's a good point for you guys to do, is if you're learning a new topic that you also pair up with an image or a color or a song or a person that you know, And once you're able to establish that connection, you're not only thinking about the linguistic or the word side of your brain, you're also involving your um, imagination in terms of the creative aspect of your brain. So you're actually creating a bond between synapses in different parts of your brain, which is actually more effective. So whenever um, only some of the same neurons activated, the entire network will get activated. That's called a recall. So forgetting 
is very frustrating. And I forget a lot, as many of you know, when I'm teaching. Um, but for some people, forgetting is normal, actually, and it is an adaptive process. What it means is that the brain occupies a fascinating evolutionary in-between of remembering and forgetting. In many cases, we keep only the gist of our experience as the whole thing is way too much to remember. So there will be some memories that are stronger than others and some that are fading away. Basically, within hours of a class, most of what is heard, seen or discussed is often forgotten. What you've lost are the details. If you take notes throughout the class and look at them 24 hours later, you may not have a clue what they're about. And the reason why is here. So there's this thing called the forgetting curve. Dr. Palombo suggests that students who want to retain information for a final exam should space their learning out by several weeks, which leads to long-term retention. I know so many people that just revise and learn things the week before an exam, and I do tell them that is silly and that they shouldn't be doing that. Um, She refers to this approach as the spacing effect, where students' performance on tests improve when the intervals between successive study sessions leading up to these exams are increased, which is like massed practice. According to Dr. Palombo, students lean towards rereading material as a study method. But to be honest with you, when we read through content, we might feel like we've got it when we actually haven't processed it at a deeper level, which is why it's super important that if you are revising and you are learning things to not just reread information over, but that you do things with it. So here's three things that you can do. The first review is within two to five hours of learning it. You should revisit your notes, fill in what you've missed and add details from other sources. The second review is a couple of days later. And then the third review is a week later. And then you'll do it nearer the time for a pre-exam. Also, it's important that you don't do things right away. Dr. Graff warns that if you revise something straight away after you've just had a class, you may forget things more, which sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? But it means that you're going to skip over stuff because you've just literally done it. So the other crucial thing is to test yourself in environments similar to the exam environment. And loads of psychologists have documented this over the years, it's more likely that you remember how to do something in a similar environment. So if you like to revise outside in the forest, which I'm sure none of you do, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to remember that in an exam hall. Instead, if you have the space in your house, you should set up a really quiet room to revise in with no distractions, no screens, nothing like that. And that way you're imitating the exam hall. Even better, go to a library where there's lots of unfamiliar faces and where it has to be super, super quiet. Trying to feel the same way you probably would during an exam is really, really helpful. And try to study without music because there won't be music in the exam. Loads of people have asked me throughout the years if they should revise with music. And I have said, yes, but there's lots of an increasing body of research, actually, that suggests you shouldn't. The other thing that you can do is to make connections with what you know. They warn that, the psychologist that we're looking at, sometimes what we think is forgetting might result from another cause beyond the forgetting curve. And it's important that you do make connections like I've mentioned before. So pictures with words and that kind of thing. 
a lack of attention to memory is called inattentional blindness. And Dr. Graf said it can come from our mind being preoccupied with thoughts irrelevant to the task that you're actually doing. So inattentional blindness is the idea that you are focusing on one thing, but you're thinking about something else while you're doing it. And I'm sure we're all guilty of that. So here are some ways to be more attentive. Boost your energy by doing enough exercise and getting enough sleep. Identify things that you've learned before and connect new knowledge to what you already know. Write down questions you have in the margins of your notes and get the answers as soon as possible. And have a notepad nearby when you're studying so that if you think of an other, if you think of something else that you want to think about or do, jot it down instead of holding it in your brain whilst you're also studying. And if you've really got the material down, try explaining it in your own words to someone else. Because if you teach it, you're more likely to learn at a much greater and faster level. And that's all. So hopefully this has been helpful. There is another part about why we do forget. Um, And I just want to bring it up very, very quickly to you all. One of the things that is very common is that people get very scared in an exam and they set unrealistic expectations for themselves. That can be for a variety of reasons. It might be that they find focused on one particular outcome. For example, they want to get a grade nine to get into this university, to get here and to get there. That could be one reason why they get very stressed. Another one could be that their parents are being very insistent that they need to get these certain grades to meet expectations within the family. And the other thing, probably the best one out of the three, is that they just have set themselves an unrealistic target. (laughs) This is really common. And this kind of pressure that you put yourselves under is probably not going to help you in the long run. I'll tell you why. So when you are stressed and you realize that you cannot meet your own expectations, your brain goes into what we call fight or flight. And fight or flight is basically a huge amount of cortisol being released into your bloodstream. Many people experience this flood of cortisol in many different ways. But one of the main ways is that your brain shuts off its long-term memory aspect. I have spoken about this at length before, but I think it's really important to raise it again because lots of people have just finished their end of year exams and they did mention to me that they forgot everything. And it's not a case of it being lost forever. That knowledge is not lost. It's just that they hadn't managed the stress part. And it's really tricky for me to help with the managing of the stress part. And a lot of people just say, you'll be fine, you'll be okay. But for a lot of people, this stress is going to really impact them, not just now at their end of year exams, but potentially in the future when they come across a very stressful situation. There are a lot of things you can do to help. If you have limited resources, then I would suggest getting involved in yoga, in some kind of exercise, in running, talking to someone about it, someone who's not just going to kind of say, oh, you'll be fine, but someone who really listen to you is really, really important. That could be a friend, a mentor, a teacher, a parent. The other thing, if you do have some more resources available, is to go and get therapy. Therapy is not often discussed and it's not often something that people want to talk about. But I think more people are heading towards it being something that is normal. We are all trying to master our brains, 
whether that's in a relationship, whether that's knowing the right course of action for your future, or whether it's just trying to get over the stress of an exam. There are some psychiatrists that are specialized in exam stress and just stress overall and how to calm yourself. And unless you tap into that kind of resource, it can be very, very hard and almost debilitating for some students who are not getting their expected grades, which can lead to enormous amount of frustration in what is often the most stressful period of time in their lives that they've faced so far. Therapy is not something that means that you're weak. In fact, asking for help is seen as a strength and it's very much a strength. Many people that I know have therapy for a lot of different reasons. And many teenagers that I work with have therapy. They won't tell anybody about it. People don't know about it. But a huge portion of the kids that I teach have some kind of therapy or have had some kind of therapy for one reason or another. It's not something that as a parent you should feel that is wrong for your to help your child and if you're listening to this and you're a teenager it's not something that you should be against in fact the most famous sports athletes and celebrities and singers all have therapists because of the amount of stress that they're under every day performance coaches in sports also have therapists who help them to get better at their game And that involves breaking down the elements of stress and getting to ride over it. Why can't we have that same approach for exams as well? If all of our kids were coached into feeling okay when they did exams and not feeling stressed, I guarantee everybody would be able to achieve their potential in a much smoother way without so much stress and upset being involved. I still don't like the exam system. I just want to mention that. And I'm sure many of you would agree with me. But unfortunately, it's the system that we've got right now. So if you are listening to this and you are not happy with your child's end of year exam results, or maybe you're just not happy yourself with your own exam results, take on a few things that we've mentioned today and see if they'll help you in the long run. Until next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 